Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. If you have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this is episode 171. Episode 171, the day is February 26th, Monday, February 26th, year of our Lord, 2024. The day of the week is not as important as the word of the week. Word of the week this week is caucus. Caucus, caucus, caucus. If you're in Minnesota, tomorrow is the the Minnesota State Caucuses. Um you have the opportunity to go into the Republican Party, so find out where your local Republican caucus is in your respective uh, district, in your respective uh, jurisdiction, uh, and and go go to caucus. Uh, become a delegate. And I, I can't stress enough, I've seen it a number of times now since I've gotten involved in politics, and I'm very, very um, grateful to have seen the political process up close and personal. Um, and and there, are many, there are many ways in which politics are influenced in this country. We all know that lobbyism, special interest groups, uh, the legal system as we can so, so uh, clearly see today, uh, money, corporations, donations. Uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of working parts in, in politics anywhere in the world, but, but especially here in American politics. Um, however, uh, the part of the the part of the political process that gets whittled down to uh, the, the the number of delegates, the the, the, the two party system, the way that the the votes get casted, and, and all of these uh, you know smaller, more local uh, political proceedings is is just as important. It really is, and they've gotten this part down to a science, and and they've done everything they can to shape the local political process to help assist the national political process and the global political process. Um, and that's why, you know, when, when people say that, that politics are best done local or go, government is best done local, there, there's a lot of truth in that. Well, if you're in Minnesota, today is your, your chance. And, and, you know, in total, there's only, you know, there usually is around 3,000 or so delegates. Now, the Republican Party as a whole on a, on a, day by day all year basis is is only one third full i believe that's still the number we're only one third full the entire republican party i mean the available number of republican party officer seats is one third full now you can take a number like one third as the great dan schultz has said many times and we got to have him back on the podcast very soon you could take a number like one third participation in the republican party and, and and we can almost deduce from that that uh, we are uh, <laughs> a sort of proxy populace. Not not only have we, um, not only have we traded our our freedom for for security and materialism, but even in the even in the process of representation, we are almost uh, absent. I mean, one third is uh, abysmal failure. If you were going to get a grade, I mean, you can fail with a with a uh, with a 59 right you could fail with a with a 60 
you could fail at 60%, let alone 30%. I mean, it's just, it's, it's abysmal. But today is one of those opportunities here in Minnesota to change that. Uh, go into your caucus uh, tomorrow and become a delegate. Uh, find out where the caucus is and, and, and go to the caucus and, and raise your hand and say you want to become a delegate. Say you want to join the party. This is the, the, the one time during the year where American citizens who aren't familiar with the Republican Party and how it works have the chance to go into the Republican Party. So the word of the week is caucus. And we got to say it three times, caucus, 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 because it is a, a sort of a dire, dire mandate that, that we uh, take the Republican Party. In accordance with that, uh, in that, that same line of thought, Ronald McDaniel has officially announced her resignation from the RNC after uh, what, many, what many see as losing Donald Trump's support. Um, and a lot of people have called for, for Ronald McDaniel to resign, including Vivek Ramaswamy, so famously did it at the, one of these uh, presidential debates for the Republican presidential candidates. Uh, and, and I have to say I agree. Now, the new guy who's going to be the chair or who may be the chair or, or whoever becomes the chair, look, we have to get comfortable with when it comes to these these institutions and, and, and some of these uh, administrative state positions, some of these agencies, we have to become comfortable with fast turnover. And the reason why is we have a, a country, we have a society, we have a culture that is is easily influenced by by money and bribery and, and uh, their own personal ambitions and, and political expediency, expediency and, and whatnot. So it's not a it's it's not far fetched to think that anybody who takes the seat, no matter what we think about them upon arrival, uh, can can be influenced and can start to. Won't be too harsh, but can start to to stray from from representing we the people in a way that we see fit. And as soon as we see that, as soon as we see fit, as soon as we see that people are unfit to represent we the people, we should be quick to 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 you know re- request turnover. You know, in business, you know, it's it's funny we're so a la carte with the way that we want to do politics, with the way we want to run this country. And, and we, we talk about capitalism as though they're, they're sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they are uh, inextricably linked, you know, capitalism and, and the United States Constitution and, and what this republic stands for. And in many ways they are. But, but we, we like to pick and choose the, the culture from the business world that, that we implement or that we utilize or observe in the political world. And one of them that we accept blindly is money wins. And I just want to say, if you're stupid enough to vote for the person with the most money, you might as well, you deserve to be a slave to China. I mean, to use a real world example, if you're, if you're stupid enough to vote for the money, if, I mean, if you're stupid enough to vote for who you see the most, you know, who has the most yard signs, who has the most billboards, who, who sends the most text messages, who sends the most emails, uh, who has the, the, the most commercial spots. If you're stupid enough to, to, to vote for the money in this day in American politics, you deserve to be a slave to China. Because China's where, where, China is where all of our money is. It's where a lot of money's coming from. And really, you deserve to be a slave to the highest bidder. I mean, you're just a, you're, you, you, in fact, you are a slave uh, in an auction of, of um, I don't know, awareness, 
reach, visibility, all things that can be purchased. But integrity can't be purchased. And, and, and in that way, the two are sort of diametrically opposed. And, and so even Donald Trump, you know, because he, he is unique because he has the, the, distinct, the distinct ability to raise a lot of money uh, as, a, as a candidate who's as popular as any political candidate in American history. He's just wildly popular. And so he's unique in that way. So him raising a lot of money is not a sign of, of, of a loss of integrity because we know a lot of the grassroots and small dollar donations are what helped fund Donald Trump's uh, campaign and helped fund the, the entire MAGA movement because it is a movement. It is a movement of the people. But a lot of these other politicians who have no name recognition, who have no real likability, who have no real charisma, who have no broad-based support, they stay, and this is this is very important. There are people who have support because of them individually, personally, like Donald Trump showed some fortitude and courage in standing on some things that that many American citizens find very important, and the establishment has all but ignored. Then there are politicians who are more party affiliated politicians, who have support from a broad base of American citizens because of their party, and and these people tend to still. Uh, raise a lot of money, uh, and, and they're able to pay for visibility. And that's something we have to get wise to. <laughs> you know, I see your face on the, on the local, on the local TV station because you paid for a spot. Uh, where'd you find this money? I mean, we're $32 trillion in debt. Our country's $32 trillion in debt. We have $172 trillion in unfunded liabilities. The average American family can't put together $500 cash in, cash in a crisis. The, the, the economy is more gig economy than it's ever been, which means it's more, it's more uh, insecure job environment. So where is this money coming from? <laughs> I mean, let's just, let's just talk seriously. The money's coming from the same people who put you in the position you're in. I mean, that's just the, that's just the stone cold facts. And they can say what they want. They, they can come on on the television. They can, they can come on the radio. They can come on stage and say whatever, the, whatever they want. But when push comes to shove, there is a, there is a diametric opposition to the, the ideas that help build this country, the, idea, the ideas this country were founded upon, the ideas this country was founded upon, and the ideas and practices and morals and ethics that many in our elite business class uh, you know, uh, live by, operate by. There's a distinct difference. If you're going to vote for who has the most money, you might as well be a slave in China, to China, because that's what you are. But again, th that, that aside, there are many processes in this country that affect American politics. And one of them is in your local community. And you can stand up in your local community at caucus and say, I don't want to be a delegate. I want to be a delegate. I don't want to be a, a, a delegate for the establishment, for the, the new world order, for the, the co crony, corrupt, capitalist, D.C. swamp. I don't want to be a delegate for them. I want to be a delegate for somebody who at least, at least, We'll talk about the issues that are important to me, not tap dance around them, tiptoe around them. So that's what we got this week. We got caucuses, and we're only 10 minutes in the podcast. I hope that wasn't too long-winded. 
Um, I don't know who's going to be the new RNC chair. I'm not, uh, I mean, I, I've seen a few names, um, and we'll see. But uh, again, one of the business practices of, of many, uh, of many in, in America is uh, quick to hire, uh, slow to hire, quick to fire. Be slow to hire, quick to fire. This is a very, very common uh, um, sentiment in the, in the business world. Slow to hire, quick to fire. Now, sometimes, depending on what your situation is as an employer, you got to be quick to quick to hire and quick to fire, uh, because you there, there's a, maybe a position that you need filled uh, uh, under absolute, uh, you know, dire dire circumstances. And if you are, then your business is kind of unstable anyway, because it's too reliant upon uh, unstable in, employ, employees. But slow to hire, quick to fire is a, a, a common sentiment of of. Uh, Healthy, healthy companies. We don't think that in politics. We tend to think, oh, well, you know, this person knows their way around. They've been there. You know, we, 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 we could be much worse off. or We can't get much worse than we are right now. We got to get very clear about that. Uh, the, the border situation is out of control. I mean, it is 150,000% out of control. The border is an absolute disaster. So much of a disaster, the Uniparty has to come together and pretend like they're trying to give you a solution just to appease you. And and they're going to tell you throughout the entire rest of this presidential uh, election cycle that that Donald Trump and that, that the MAGA movement, we didn't want to close the border, that we had the opportunity to close the border, and we chose not to. Not true. It's ridiculous. No, we, we want to do something that will actually close the border. We want to do something that will actually change the situation at the border. We want to do something that's not tied to uh, another issue for another border halfway around the world. And the United States Senate wanted to inflate the two issues, the Ukraine's border and America's border. Not even just that, the Ukraine... Israel and Taiwan's borders and America's borders. Now, all three of those are separate issues and they should be bifurcated as well. They should be bifurcated as well. Taiwan, Ukraine, and Israel should all be separate issues. As a general principle, no more forever wars. But as a, as a practical matter, we can separate all three issues. All three issues should be separate from our border and, 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 and what's going on here in America. That's what it means to be America first. It's very simple. And, and these people, you know, they will bend over backwards to paint America first as some type of radical white supremacist conspiracy theory. But in many ways, when you really get through the, the, the smoke and mirrors, of what the Democrat platform is is about and what it's been about for a long time, it it, it claims to it, it 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 presents itself as a movement that that is concerned with the interests of the common man and woman. That's why they have these collective uh, slogans and 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 phrases like the whole system is guilty. Well, in in much even think about the the socialist populist movement. 
the Bernie Sanders of the world, the Elizabeth Warrens and, and whatnot, um, these people make the same claims, many of the same claims about crony capitalism and, and our financial elite that, that, that we make on the MAGA side of the movement. Our answers are different. Our solutions are different. Our answers and solutions aren't socialism. But what I'm, what I'm pointing out is they claim to be a, a movement of the people. But they vote. They vote, they affiliate, and they, they come together as a party around a, a set of cultural, cultural, uh, in some ways spiritual, scary enough, and, and certainly political uh, beliefs that completely undermine your citizenship. In fact, one of the cornerstones of, of, of their movement right now is to reject American citizenship altogether, to say that American citizenship or, or any priority around American citizenship, which is what America First really is, is trying to do, that any, any suggestion that American citizenship should be a priority is uh, dirty. It's, it's, it's taboo. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, uh, it's an ugly word. It's, it's an ugly idea. It makes you persona non grata. You know, if you see an American flag, you know they're racist, this type of mentality. And it's become potent in the Democrat Party. And that lets you know even what the socialists, even what the far leftists are trying to, trying to promote themselves to be. Is, is either detached from reality in a way that's scary in and of itself, or uh, they're, they're in on it. It's just controlled opposition. And I've said it before, the far right and the far left are both controlled opposition. The, the center, the, 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 the status quo center of people who preserve the corruption, they have, they have controlled opposition. There's controlled opposition on both sides in the middle, and there's controlled opposition on both sides out at the out at the, the the margins, out on the fringe, and I'm not saying fringe in general is a bad word, because many consider what 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 the MAGA movement is as what the MAGA movement is to be fringe. Many consider what the MAGA movement is to be fringe, but I don't think it's fringe. I think it's uh, periphery. It's probably a better better word for it. Not even more so. I mean, look, there, there's, two, there's two ways to look at our political spectrum in the, in the movements. There, are the, there is the representation of talking heads and commentators or celebrities and public figures that you can see talk about politics. And in that way, people who are MAGA may be the fringe. But in terms of the entire broad American populace, the, the MAGA movement, the people who want America first, whether they identify that way or not, is much more of a majority and, and not really a fringe. I mean, 80 million people voted for Donald Trump, so there's nothing really fringe about that. But I'm talking ideologically. Ideologically, there's the, the corrupt center of, of, of purveyors of the status quo. Uh, status quo purveyors, the, the, the corrupt center, the moderates, 
Okay, moderate has become seen as like a political goldmine. If somebody's moderate, it's a good thing. When I hear moderate, I just think Mitt Romney. <laughs> I think Joe Biden. I mean, I, I think a number of politicians I can name that are just absolute nightmares. And then when I think of the fringe, or I think of the extremes, or you know, the far left, the far right, both controlled opposition, both intended to run people back to the corrupt middle. <clears throat> it's important to understand this going into caucuses and going into an election cycle. So, quick to turn people over. I don't know who's going to be the RNC chair. Don't really, you know, don't don't really have a, a say one way or another. Uh, as we find out more, I'll say more. As I find out more, I'll say more. But we have to bring heavy scrutiny to everybody who's in a position of power now, obviously because our, our, our republic is in danger of uh, being lost and, and we the people are responsible for that. And no matter who's in power, we the people are responsible for the way we are governed. So yes, we are governed by, by representatives, but in, in, in that way, fundamentally, we are a nation of, of self-governance. And, and we've outsourced that. We have to reclaim that. Part of reclaiming that is just getting involved in a caucus. Go to the caucus. It's going to take you a couple hours. You're going to learn something that you didn't know probably about politics. You're going to see the way politics works. You're going to find out that politics is, is done. Politics is often decided by the people who show up. Not even often. It's always decided by the people who show up. American politics is decided by those who show up. Politics is done by those who show up. So I'm going to be making my way around to, to different caucuses tomorrow night to talk about my Senate candidates, uh, candidacy. And uh, we'll, we'll see what fireworks pop off from there, and I'll, I'll come back and report on Wednesday uh, what, what, what transpired. But look, my opponent in the Senate race has no name, notoriety, I'm sure the Republican establishment is 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 doing everything they can to to muster up some support and be able to pass his name around to the delegates, right? Because the delegates are are ultimately what decide the endorsement and then they rely on the Republican Party as a national as a national movement. The Republican Party as a national machine to push these endorsed candidates over the finish line in in any primaries. In fact, most people don't even, this is the great scam of American politics, at least in the Republican Party. It has become common practice that the Republican, that, the Repu that Republican candidates in any election will not primary against the party-endorsed candidate because it's seen as taken away from the resources that the endorsed candidate could be using to fight against the Democrats in the general election. I mean, that's become, that, that's become the common practice, the common sentiment uh, in, in, these, in these elections. Oh, no, don't primary the endorsed candidate. Once, once we endorse a candidate, once we, the, the Republican vanguard and, and, and delegates that have been here the entire time as the country went to shit, once we endorse a candidate, that's it. You know, the, the, the authority has spoken. I mean, then there's kind of an elitist mentality in that 
process right there, right? I mean, if we're the party of we the people, if we're the party of the Constitution, and we, we, should, we should want primaries. When we say, oh, it's resources, oh, we need the money to fight the general election, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I'm saying that, look, and, and I'm saying, and look, the difference between these, these local elections and an election like a presidential election is the presidential election has all the polling necessary to see who really has the broad-based support. When you get into these more local elections, they don't have that polling. They don't have, uh, you know, mainstream media following to see uh, who in the Republican Party has the, the they, they, it's not happening like that in a congressional district. In a, it, it's not happening. So, you know, there's a difference between us saying, hey, Nikki Haley, she's sticking in the race. For, first of all, Nikki Haley's, Nikki Haley's such a radical materialist and the mentality of globalists and post-World War II democratic order warmongers like Nikki Haley is so radical materialist we know she's only sticking in the race for material means, either materially to to try and discredit and take away from Donald Trump materially, which is something that that's that's possible as well. Um, or she's in it just to raise money. And they just said the other I was listening to Fox report on the uh, report on on uh, the, the, the South Carolina caucus it came across my feed. And, uh, you know, they said, hey, Nikki Haley is not in a position where she can't raise money still. She's still doing great raising money. In fact, she put an email out saying that she raised a million dollars overnight. I mean, imagine. Imagine Nikki Haley could raise a million dollars for anything, let alone overnight. I mean, this is the real this is the real state of of we the people of, of our country. This is the real state of things there in South Carolina. Honestly. I mean, we, Nikki Haley got, what was it, um, 42%? 42% of the vote in the, in, the caucus, in the primary there? Now, she still got crushed. I mean, you know, but, but the numbers weren't the 30% spread that, that were projected. And, and who knows what's going on with the numbers? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's, it's, all, it's, it's all very mysterious, very conspicuous at this point. But I do, I will say this. If it's true, if it if it holds that 42% of people in South Carolina voted for Nikki Haley in the primary, we got a huge problem in South Carolina. I don't know what's going on with the people in South Carolina. But again, like I said last week, I continue to hear, I continue to see Republicans and, and conservative news outlets and, and, and talking heads and commentators focus on the black community and how much, how much, uh, you know, how much... Uh, turmoil and, and, and chaos all these black communities cause across the country. I tell you one thing, ain't no black people voting for Nikki Haley. There wouldn't be any black people voting for Nikki Haley in South Carolina, and there damn sure ain't no black people voting for Nikki Haley on a broad basis around the country. For sure not there in the greater Atlanta area. For sure not there in Philadelphia. For sure not there in Detroit, Michigan. She had, there ain't no black people voting. Black people aren't the cause of Nikki Haley. Okay? And, and I don't mean to break it into a race thing, but we got to start to ask ourselves, like, we are caught in, and uh, the reason I frame it this way is because this is the war. This is the sort of cultural uh, narrative that, that's waged against the conservative movement from within the conservative movement. I saw it the other day when I, when I criticized Mark Levin. People said, we don't need to criticize other conservative voices uh, we, you know, we need to stick together. 
That's exactly what that's exactly what the Democrats tell black people to do. That's exactly what the black bourgeoisie house Negroes are telling other black folks. Don't criticize other black people. I'm sure that's what the, I don't know what the LGBTQ is saying because I don't really pay attention because half the stuff that that comes out of that movement is just is just obnoxious. But but I'm sure they're telling people that, that I'm sure they're saying the same thing. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. Don't criticize one another. It's not it's not worth it. It 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 takes away from what we're trying to shut the fuck up. If there's a rightful criticism to 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 be voiced, it must be voiced. If there is a rightful criticism to be voiced, it must be voiced. It's not a it's not optional. We we have to say it. No more forever wars. Anybody who's in support of the Ukraine is out. I don't care how many people follow them. I don't care how long they've been around. I don't care about their service. I don't care about their uniform. I don't care about any of that shit. If you support the war in Ukraine, if you support forever wars, if you support a potential nuclear war, nuclear escalation, whether staged or, or genuine between us and Russia, you're out. That's just it. That's just it. That's a clear dividing issue. But now we're not supposed to say that because we're 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 all conservatives. Let's just get along. Let's just come together. The false sense of unity, the false sense of unity creates a false sense of security. When you come together under false pretenses, when you come together under lies and you believe you're secure because of the collective then you can't be Christian, number one, because a collective that's bound by lies is not a real collective in, in Christian thinking. Um, but just practically speaking, it's not real security because the lies don't hold up. They can't hold up. They're lies. And what's happened across this country is that the conservative movement has been undermined by a, a conservative movement uh, that, that has many, many lies <coughs> at the heart of it. Now we're trying to get to down to the bottom. And what you're going to see most, what you're going to see most is not the not the the working class, Hispanics and blacks across the country reject those lies. I mean, reject the, the truth. They're not the ones rejecting the truth on, on, on mass. They're the ones saying, no, we 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 agree. We agree. We don't know. Look, Donald Trump, we've been told he's a racist. I mean, that's what the New York Times said. That's what Axios said. That, that's what CNN and, and Don Lemon said. But you know what? We don't really, really like the New York Times, Don Lemon, or Axios anyway. We don't even know Axios. We don't, we don't trust Don Lemon because any black man who puts rouge on his face and, 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 and lets a, a, a white man have his way with him is, we, I mean, we just traditionally, heterosexual black men in working class communities across the inner cities, we don't trust these people to lead, traditionally speaking. That, that's just the reality. Poll it. Just go and poll working class, heterosexual black men and ask them would they follow Don Lemon. The, the answer is going to unanimously be no. So we don't really trust Don Lemons, uh, the Don Lemons of the world. And we don't really believe in the New York Times. I mean, will we repeat a headline or talk about it? Yeah, but when you really ask somebody, do you think the New York Times is credible? Do you trust the mainstream media? Black people are going to say no. No, we don't. We don't trust the, 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 remember, the whole system is guilty. 
That would include the New York Times. That would include CNN. And that would damn sure include all these international alternative uh, institutions like Axios. Right. Uh, we don't we don't trust these people. But I'll tell you who does. There are many conservatives within the the movement who listen to NPR. There are many people who vote Republican who listen to National Public Radio. In fact, we had a candidate here in Minnesota who was running for a congressional seat in one of the Twin Cities congressional districts who said he got his news from NPR. I mean, there is nothing more, there is nothing more (laughs) democratic liberal order. There is nothing more uniparty. There is nothing more moderate, uh, uh, corrupt status quo centrism uh, than, than NPR or NPR. I mean, this is just, I mean, even the way that it sounds is just kind of like a, uh, a rundown of the of the hypnosis. I can't even listen to it when I get into an Uber and they and it, it, what's funny is, uh, you know I. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, you drive it in an Uber and there's a lot of Somali Uber drivers and I, I you know I got many many friends in the Somali community and many of the people in the Somali community are are huge supporters of mine and friends and and, and um you know, uh, fans of mine. Uh, mostly because I, you know, I spoke out about the Uyghur situation when a lot of the Muslim and Arab leaders wouldn't, because in fact, they're taking their hush money from China the same way our political elites are. So, so not so much difference there, then, huh? Eh, not so much difference, eh, between our elites and 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 the uh, the desperate warlords and and uh, and and extremists and, and terrorists and sponsors of terrorism there in the Middle East or the Arab world. Not so much different. Eh? We both seem to like money the same way, don't we? I mean, there's a common denominator. I digress. Anyway, I got a lot of uh, support in the Somali community here. And a lot of Somalis come up to me and they're like, hey, Royce, man, we just, we, we, we appreciate the things you're saying. And, we, you know, we don't like Ilhan. We wish you would have run against her and wish you, you would have beat her. And, and, uh, but it's funny, when I get into the Uber and, and, and a Somali uh, is driving, a lot of times they'll have NPR on. And I just know it must be a, a common thing in the Somali community where they tell each other or where, where it's been, you know, they, they, they have a, a consensus that the people in the Twin City area who get into a, a Uber ride uh, will likely uh, be satisfied with, with listening to NPR. <laughs> just kind of, it, it's, it's kind of a diagnosis of, uh, of the state of things here in the Twin Cities in, in Minnesota. I mean, it really is. It's funny. I mean, it, it, that actually is really funny to me because, you know, it's, it, it'd be something completely, um, completely unexpected that, that becomes a great cultural diagnosis, right? And, and that is one. Like why the, the, the Somalians, they're not listening to NPR, okay? They, they don't give a shit about NPR. Some of them still don't even speak good English. A lot, many of them don't speak good English and, and they, you know, they have their own media, they have their own, you know, they, it's the, the Somali community is not a very well assimilated community, which is why there's such a, there is such a, um, there's such a, you know, separation between, uh, you know the, the 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 Muslim Somali, you know hijab wearing, burqa wearing, uh, constituency and Ilhan Omar, which is why they booed Ilhan Omar. 
The, the, the Somali community doesn't believe in the LGBTQ agenda. Okay, they don't believe that God is is a conspiracy theory. They don't believe that that God is is makes you a white supremacist believing in God. I mean, imagine imagine the Democrat Party making the claim that believing in God makes you inextricably linked to white supremacy, and and the Somalians, in effect, by their own admission, believe in the same God. They don't believe in the same prophets. They don't believe in the same uh, divinity of Christ. They don't believe in it, but they believe in the same God. I mean, there's no, there is no argument about that. I mean, all theological, uh, all, all, all serious theologians agree on the, the origins of the three Abrahamic faiths. How they changed, how they evolved, where they are today, where, all of that is a whole different discussion. The fact remains that all three Abrahamic faiths stem from Abraham, which means they believe in the Abrahamic covenant. That's just a fact. So, and this is how cra- this is how wild the propaganda and misinformation has become. Because there are a lot of people out there um, who who really see the Democrats' effort as a, a, a genuine a genuine uh, desire for social justice and equality. You know, and, and they really believe that the Democrats are a friend to, to Muslims or a friend to, to Arabs or a friend to, to brown people and black people all around the country. But, but not brown people and black people who believe in God. Not brown people or black people who believe in citizenship. Not brown people or black people who believe in free speech. Not brown people or black people who believe in the right to choose whether or not you are vaccinated. This is a big this is a big group of black and brown people, okay? I mean, once you put those once you put those prerequisites on it, we have a, a a serious issue with the narrative for the Democrats, and they have that issue. But see, we're not the ones, we're open. We are open to the truth right now. Now, look, if you see 30 young black kids, you know, run into a department store and take every leather bag that they can get their hands on, they're not open to anything. I mean, they're too clouded by materialism and they're too clouded by whatever they believe their circumstance to be that's, that's insurmountable, which it probably isn't. But they've certainly been, been made to feel that way. Um, that those, those, people, those people aren't really open to anything. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are regular, run-of-the-mill, working every, everyday working-class Americans. These people in those communities in the greater Atlanta area, in the greater Detroit area, in the greater Philadelphia area. These people are open to the truth. They really are. They're showing you that you can see it. You can hear it. And why is this so important? Why do I keep touching on this? People do, well, why do you keep talking about race? Are you, are you dumb? If you think we shouldn't be talking about race, you're dumb. You're actually stupid. Now, in the final analysis, intellectually, philosophically, are there more important things than race? Obviously. Obviously, Christianity is the highest organizing principle of of people and and the best organizing principle of a society. Transcends race 100%. I've said that a thousand times. But we allowed a political culture, a a political super culture to erect here in this country 
that has used race to divide the people. So we have to deal with that. I was I was listening to a, a, a video clip this morning of Kobe Bryant talking about how um, when you watch film of yourself, you have to watch the mistakes that you make and you have to watch the mistakes over and over and over again so you can recognize how not to make that mistake. So your brain registers that sequence and that pattern of, of, of motions and that, that set of circumstances in the game, and you can say, ah, I'm not going to make that mistake again. But some people, a lot of people, a lot of players, <clears throat> a lot of athletes, ones that end up not being very good, but even some who make it to the high level but then never excel and become elite or great, is because they run from the criticism of themselves that they need to become great. They run, they scurry from it. They, they can't handle it. They, they, can't, they can't watch themselves make those mistakes on film over and over and over again. And right when I heard the clip, I recognized it in myself, and it started to dawn on me like, damn, damn, these are things that I did when I was coming up playing that I didn't even realize. One of the greatest things that helped my game evolve was being a freshman in high school at De La Salle High School and, and seeing film of myself in practice and in the games. And we had access to film in practice and in the games. I used to get a DVD of, of film uh, of, of the practice and the games from, from our coach. Um, and it, did, it, it just to see how I moved, I, I'd remember a play in practice, and then when it'd come up in the game, in the, on the film, I'd, I'd look at myself, and, and there, was a, there was a complete difference between what I what it felt like I was doing and what I was actually doing. Completely different, night and day. The speed, the intensity, uh, the amount of ground I covered, you know, uh, what actually ended up happening in the play. You know, th there, was, there was what actually happened, and then there was what I thought was happening, how it felt when I was doing it. N th there, there may not be anything that helped me more than that than being able to see my mistakes on film. And so the point that, 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 that I'm making about, about this movement is we run from the mistakes that we've made. We have a tendency to run from the mistakes that, we, that, we've, that we've made. We're running from that, that, that harsh criticism and truth about, about how this has happened, how this country got the way it, it, it got. Oh, Oh, let's not talk about black, black and race. We don't need to. Are you kidding me? Somewhere in here, the conservative movement, the movement that has conservative ideas at, at, at its base, ideas of American citizens, somewhere in here, we abandon black communities. And, 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 and in our absence, the, the Democrats, the, the, the liberals, the, 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 uh, the globalists, the, the, the Judeo-Buddhists, the atheists, the the uh, the Luciferians, the the LGBTQ, the 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 administrative state, whoever you, the welfare state, whoever you want to say, somewhere in here and in, in our absence, these people, these people took control. They took tr control psychologically. They took control economically. They've taken control politically. They've taken control spiritually. And we think we're going to win another election and not rectify that error. You, do, uh, right now, in you, right now, out there in the audience, do you think we will win another election in this country if we don't rectify the error of abandoning the inner cities because we were what too busy? 
because we were too afraid, because we had too much difference culturally to, to minister the truth. There was too much, there was too much difference culturally to minister the gospel. To minister the United States Constitution and the value of American citizenship, there was too much, there was too much danger, there was too much gap culturally. No, there was too much bullshit. That's what there was. Way too much bullshit in us. There was too much bullshit in us. That's what happened. And so, yeah, yeah, on election night in the greater Atlanta area, there'll be votes that come in out of the, out of thin air. Voila. And yeah, of course, because black people vote Democrat. Philadelphia, yeah, of course, you know, black people vote Democrat. Detroit, of course, black people vote Democrat. I mean, those are the three big swing states. We know the game. We know the game. We know the places. We know the players. We know the areas. We know the game. Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Ooh, throw Minnesota in there. That 10 may help. Those 10 electoral votes may actually matter now, don't they? 200,000 vote swing. The last governor race. Seems like a big number, big number on paper. When you don't believe in the power of the truth. A lot of us think we're going to overcome the truth with, with, some, with some cunning strategy. No, we can only overcome the, 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 we can only over, we overcome the power of the lies. I'm sorry, the, the overcome the lies uh, with, with some you know, cunning strategy. No, 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 no. It's just like Steve Bannon said. It's the populist movement. We're going to speak to the issues that Americans want to, want to, want to address. And that's how Donald Trump won in 2016. And then they, had to, then they had to do everything in their power to cheat Donald Trump in 2020. And I'm not even talking about the Dominion machines, although I think those are, are uh, definitely not secure as well. But we don't have to talk about the machines. Let's talk about big tech and, and, and Google and how much money they dumped and how much their, their, their algorithms helped shape the election. Let's talk about the security state and the intelligence community. And the whole Joe Biden and Hunter Biden laptop scandal that took place. Let's talk about the money personally that Mark Zuckerberg threw in or that George Soros threw in or that the Kochs threw in to, to go against Donald Trump. Let's talk about any number of things. Not to mention, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> there's so much stuff out there that was that was aimed to try and bring, not to mention the general mainstream media. And how much unpaid, unpaid, uh, you know, uh, a smear campaign, unpaid ads that, that were aimed against Donald Trump from the mainstream media all day, every day, 365 days a year. Which might be the single greatest example of, of, of uh, uh, campaign, uh, campaign finance um, corruption in in the entire political uh, in the entire political system in american politics the mainstream media's the mainstream media's consolidation on one side of the political aisle may be the single greatest example of campaign finance corruption there is how much time do, i mean how, should you even be able to talk about Donald Trump, the, a free press? I mean, okay. 
But I mean, this is this is, and, and now they've even when that didn't work, now they've extended it to the legal system. Now they're going to use the legal system to try and triple down on the on the corruption. I mean, it's out of control. But we've allowed it in in a way. We in the conservative movement have allowed it. We really did. We really did because we didn't want to deal. We we want to win without without looking at the film. We want to win without addressing what's wrong with us. We want to win without correcting and rectifying the errors. The the, the errors are within. The weakness is within. And and we we are trying. I get it. And we're making improvements. We're, we're, we're willing to say things now we weren't willing to say back in 2000. We're willing to say things now we weren't willing to say back in 2009. And 2009, you couldn't, you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't say that that uh, John McCain would be just as bad as Barack Obama. And John McCain would have been just as bad as Barack Obama. And if you don't get that, then you don't get it. If you still doubt that, then you don't get it. John, you're still caught up in party politics. You're still caught up in the in the in the in the uh, the smoke and mirrors, the WWE of of party politics. I'm not saying that parties don't matter, but when parties have candidates or, or politicians that aren't really loyal to the the fundamental ideas of the party or of the movement, the constituency that helped get them into office, then the parties don't really matter. <clears throat> and we've seen that. Look at Liz Cheney. I saw Megan McCain. I mean, look at you. You want a good example? Megan McCain on the Megan McCain on the View is an absolute disgrace to America. Seriously, she's a disgrace to her father's name. She's a disgrace to herself, but she's a disgrace to all of America. And the View is a disgrace to America. And there are a lot of women that watch daytime television that love the View, and that's a that is. That is a huge indictment of the women in this country. Sorry, you, you don't you don't like that? That that's misogynistic. There's enough blame to go around. We'll get to the men in a moment. <laughs> but as far as the women go, uh, a show like The View is about as embarrassing a cultural. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm sure they have the same thing in every other country. I'm sure they have daytime. I, I'm sure they have daytime television for dotards in every country. I, I really am. But the, but it's an issue. I mean, and we got to deal with that. Too many people l- love Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, and Meghan McCain, and love a sunny high, and l- love listening to them talk about nothing. Jerk off, a jerk off society, right? And I mean, if, if we're gonna listen to if we're gonna listen to six women talk about nothing, they better be way way better looking, way hotter than the six women that they have there on the View. Honestly. That's my honest opinion. You don't have to like it. Maybe that makes me a, a misogynist or whatever. I don't want to listen to Whoopi Goldberg talk about anything. I don't want to watch. I don't want to look at Whoopi Goldberg for an hour. I don't want to look at Joy Behar for an hour. I don't want to look at Megan McCain for an hour. None of them are attractive. Doesn't make any sense to me. Especially considering that they're not saying anything. But a lot of people think that they're saying something. And even more scary, a lot of people actually maybe like to look at them, which I just... We are our, our entire. Oh, man, it's hard to even imagine. <clears throat> I digress. My point is Megan McCain. For example, um, who I'm sure is still 
revered and loved by the the followers of of, of John McCain there in Arizona. Megan McCain went on X and just called Carrie Lake a bitch right out in the open. She said, no peace, bitch, in reference to Carrie Lake. Now, I often am the recipient of a, uh, a sort of uh, brand of, of conservatism in 501c3 Christianity, popular in the fearless with Jason Wicklock cohort, uh, people who whose Christian identity is is uh, is tied to their 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 civility and and their 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 non-use of of profane language, yet they're willing to give their tax money so that we can bomb innocent people all across the country in the name of money. I think one is much more evil than the other, but hey, I mean, I'm just a guy. Um, but I'm also the, I'm, I'm I'm often the recipient of criticism from that 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 cohort. And, and I, just, I just wonder how it is Megan McCain can call another woman, Carrie Lake, a bitch publicly and, and not completely be discredited politically. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. And, you know, it, it's, it's like when I went to the comments, Nobody was saying like nice language or you know oh, wow you no oh, here's a good one <laughs> none of the women were saying uh, uh, we shouldn't criticize other women because if if one woman criticizes another woman then then it hurts all women <laughs> you see how selective they are right when it's one conservative cr- criticizing another conservative when it's Royce White saying Mark Levin you're a warmongering neocon it's we shouldn't criticize other conservatives when it's Megan McCain calling Carrie Lake a bitch all of a sudden it's it's uh, well Carrie Lake did it first well Carrie Lake Carrie Lake insulted her father or yeah Carrie Lake's a, a piece of shit or or whatever the case may be same thing with the democrats same thing with the Democrats, oh, the LGBTQ is famous for the, and all their allies, oh, they're famous for this. Oh, 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 the LGBTQ, oh, don't let you be a conservative and, and criticize the LGBTQ agenda. Then you're, then you're homophobic. But if a black man uh, is, is rumored to be homosexual or, or have done something that is, that is homosexual in nature, Black Twitter, the black community, all the same people who vote for the LGBTQ politics, they are fast to come down on that individual with criticism and, 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 and mockery and jokes and, and whatnot. In the one, in the one sense, they're, they're, they're LGBTQ advocates and they're all about inclusion, but as soon as a black man is homosexual, they can't wait to throw him under the bus and criticize him and talk about him. These are the contradictions that exist, but it's not just over there in the Democrat Party. It's right here in the conservative movement. So, I mean, if Meghan McCain can say the word bitch, can I? I mean, we can. It's just a free for all. And and you know what? To be honest, I kind of like that brand of politics. I think we should get down like that. Let's not let's not hold back. Let's not pretend. There's nothing worse than pretending. Say it like you mean it. Say what you mean, mean what you say. If that's really how she feels about Carrie Lake, okay. She has the right to. Let's us know a lot about who Meghan McCain is. 
by the conservative standards, it lets us know a lot about who her parents were, right? Because your parents have to have to have to raise the children, right? Or does that only apply to black communities? Huh? And now we're now we're going to untangle this this cultural this cultural uh, uh they call it a Gordian knot. Now we're going to start to untangle this Gordian knot. Because there's a lot of bullshit that people tell themselves, that people been telling themselves for a long time. A lot of bullshit that people are in, uh, invested in. A lot of bullshit, pe- bullshit people live by. A lot of bullshit. A lot of rules for me. Rules for thee, not for me. Rules for thee, not for we. A lot of that going on in America. A lot of the establishment getting you to believe that you're over here with this cohort. No, 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 not, not realizing, not realizing the people in your own cohort don't even believe the same things you do. They disagree with a lot of the stuff you, you, you think. And that's okay. Disagreement's okay. But some of this stuff is fundamental. We're making progress. In 2009, you couldn't have said that, that, that voting for John McCain is the same as voting for Barack Obama. Now I think we get that. That voting for Mitt Romney and voting for Barack is the same thing. Now I think we get that. I think we understand that John McCain was a neocon. I think we get that Mitt Romney is a rhino. I hope we understand that that Amy Klobuchar is a neocon. That Nikki Haley is a neocon. That Mark Levin is a neocon. I hope we understand. I hope we're starting to realize. But but it's not just that. There's much more. And that's what we're trying to get. We have to get down to the bottom of it. We have to get to the truth. We have to find the common ground, but the common ground has to be stable. Like me and Professor Penn talked about last week when when uh, God, uh, you know, ordered uh, Moses to bring the, the Hebrews who had left Egypt into the desert. And some of the some of the Hebrews wanted to go back to Egypt. They had a slave consciousness. They want to go back to captivity. They would rather they would rather have the, the, the surety and security of bondage and, and chains than the, the vast unknown of the Sinai Desert. And as it's read in, in Scripture, the, the, the desert swallowed them up whole. It, it swallowed the, the desert, opened up, and swallowed the, the disbelievers. Too much disbelief. Too much disbelief that we could actually find common ground on stable, on stable land, on a stable foundation. But part of that is because we haven't we haven't prioritized the, the the ideas. We we haven't sorted through the ideas. The, 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 in fact, the establishment has has dangled these these carrots of of superficial ideas because they make us real emotional. They're, they're easy to they're easy to to identify with. And when we let them do that, that that's going to be our downfall. That has been our downfall. It will continue to be our downfall. I said it the other day, you know, uh, well, fathers being in the home always become a calling card of the conservative criticism of black communities. And, and this, you know, yes, don't get me wrong. Yes, yes, yes. 
fathers have been systematically attacked. The nuclear family has been systematically attacked for black America, but for America writ large. There's less marriage. There's less childbirth. There's less. Uh, there, there's more divorce. There's more litigate marriage litigation. There, there's more everything when it comes to the nuclear family. The nuclear family is in shambles. It's more accepted than ever that somebody get divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried three, four times. Back in the day, if you're a good old Catholic, you know you felt a sense of embarrassment to get divorced, let alone remarried, let alone remarried four or five times. My God, what is wrong with what's going on with this person? This person has no no sense of sacred honor, no sense of commitment, no sense of vows. You vowed before God three, four, five times that you would be until death do his part, and it's just kind of a, uh, you know, uh, just words. We have got to get down to the root issues. Is the root issue that that there are no fathers in the home? Really? And I used this example the other day, but but I'll use it here again. See, some of you some of you have the 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 belief that uh, uh, a young black man who who pops up on your nightly local news for for robbing a bank, let's say, uh, you assume from statistical evidence that 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 young man probably lived in a home without a father, and you think to yourself, "Ooh." Not having a father surely turns you into, into something, something dangerous, something evil, something, something unwanted, something dirty, something ugly. But when I turn on the view and see Meghan McCain, I see a young, a young woman with two parents, two parents that are considered a political royalty in the Republican Party in, in some circles, a young woman with two parents who's just as fucked up as a young man who would rob a bank, who's just as dishonest, who's just as, as, as lost, who's just as confused, who's just as wicked. I mean, it really is wicked to, to, to lie at that level. And even if, even if you've been indoctrinated with wickedness, with evil, just like the, the young black men who are criminals in this country, they, they seem to think that taking another man's life is, is just a, you know, a, a non-issue. And that has become popular. It's, you know, and, and the rap music is, 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 you know, partially to blame. But if you're stupid enough to listen to your rap music and really believe it in the first place, you got bigger problems than, than you got bigger problems. I mean, if anybody can put a, a song to, 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 can put words to music and get you to believe it, you already know you're fucking brainwashed. You already know you're a lemming, you're a sheep. You know, you're, you're, you're a robot. And I'm not saying the black community doesn't have those. And I'm not saying black on black crime is not an issue. And I'm not saying that the young black man <coughs> who would rob a bank <clears throat> and do those sort of things uh, doesn't have some, isn't fucked up in the head. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is in the conservative movement, we hold that person in an entirely different regard than we hold the Meghan McCain's and John McCain's and Mitt Romney's and Lindsey Graham's and Mitchell McConnell's. Why? That's the fucking question we have to answer. That's the that's the the that's the mistake that we have to go back and rectify. When that when that cultural sentiment swirled up and took root 
in the conservative movement, in this country, that's when we lost the country. When we, like Jesus Christ, couldn't, you know, we, we, we uh, unlike Jesus Christ, failed to see the similarities between the, the robbers and the thieves and the prostitutes and the, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. When we failed to see the similarities in the corruption between the two different classes of, 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 of people who shared the same wickedness. When we failed to see, when we failed to see that in the past, <clears throat> and if we fail to see that going forward, we have no chance of saving this republic. We have no chance of saving this republic. If we fail to see the common thread of wickedness, we have no chance of saving this republic. Tell me I'm lying. <clears throat> Tell me I'm lying. See, I see it with clear eyes. This isn't hard for me. I'm not making excuses for a young black man with no father. Because he shouldn't make excuses for himself. Because the excuses don't matter. Nobody gives a fuck. I don't think the conservative movement gives a fuck. I don't think liberals give a fuck. I don't think the New World Order or the globalists give a fuck. I don't think people really give a fuck about the young black man with no father. And I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying it's their job. His father should give a fuck. His mother should give a fuck. His family should give a fuck. His community better give a fuck because he could become a danger to them. But I'm not saying anybody. The reality for the young man is nobody cares. That's the reality for most people. So I'm not making excuses for him because nobody else will. What I'm simply saying is, if you think that there is any, put it this way. <clears throat> saying that father, fatherlessness in the home is the, the root of the issues and, and, the, and the decay here of our American culture and our American society is just giving a pass to the elites. Honestly, it's, it's just uh, pacifying the corruption in, in, in our political elites and our, our cultural elites. Because many, many of the, the, the powerful families in this country, like George Bush, little George, and his dad and his granddad, did they have fathers in the home? And all of their fathers were fucking assholes. That's the reality. And a lot of you out there voted for them because they were Republicans. It's okay. I get it. <clears throat> I get it. Donald Trump made it okay to criticize the neocon world order. The neocon apparatus and all the apparatus checks. I get it. I get it. Before Donald Trump. And that's the profound thing about Donald Trump. That's the thing about Donald Trump. That the Democrats and the liberals of the mainstream media don't want the black people in this country to really understand. Because if they did, the electorate would change like this. Never forget Kanye West. George Bush doesn't care about black people. And he was right. But it wasn't just black people. George Bush don't really care that much about white people in this country either. George Bush cares about the elite back scratching in club that came to offer Kerry Lake a, 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 a handsome payout to go away for this election cycle. That's who George Bush cares about. And that's who his friends cares about. And some of those people, some of those people may be black, white, green, yellow. All of the above. There certainly are all around the world. 
there's an elite all around the world. When you get outside of this country, the elite gets a lot more colorful, right? I mean, never forget that, that with all the racism, we didn't have a problem going over to the Middle East and giving the Arabs trillions of our dollars. We didn't, we didn't have a problem. They weren't beneath us enough for that. They, we, we paid them handsomely. So, so we didn't see them as being beneath us. We, we paid them well. You know, we're all racist until we need a little bit of oil to run our, 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 uh, our, our automobile. We're all racist until we need petroleum, right? We got these racial cultural beliefs until we need petroleum. And then we're going to walk right over there and, and, and do business with the Arabs, who, by the way, aren't African. Let's be clear. There's a difference between being Arab and being African. Don't, don't try and smash the two together. They're two entirely different ethnicities and, and, cultural, and, and cultural histories and, and you know genealogies. Arabs are their own people for the most part. <coughs> and there are many, many different tribes and cultural subsets there in, in Arab, which is why that area has been so volatile for so long. Because all of them have a profound sense of, of cultural and ethnic and racial identity. And, and fine, there's nothing wrong with that. Part of the problem, they can't come together. Part of the problem, they've been divided and conquered. But they've been, they've been, they've been conquered with a handsome pay. You get conquered, and the potholes in your fucking street can't even, aren't even fixed. These people have entire generations of, of, of talk about having kids. <laughs> You're scared to have two kids. You know, the, the, the house of Saud, they, they're having 2,000 kids in a generation getting rich off of you. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but when you really start to scope it out, it's preposterous. It's preposterous what we've accepted. The lies we've been told and the lies that we accept. Everybody's racist until you need petroleum. That's a T-shirt. That's a fucking t-shirt. My point is, <clears throat> the elites, the, this, this narrative about family and about fatherlessness really aids the elites because there are many, many, I would venture to say a majority of the elites in this country came from two-parent households. Even more importantly, let, let, let's, not, let's not make it too broad. The elites that you've come to know as the, the decrepit sort of underbelly of, of the D.C. swamp, those elites certainly came from two-parent households. Those elites certainly came from two-parent households in majority. Certainly. And the powerful families and the corporate, and the, 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 you know, the, 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 uh, the, corporate, the corporate elite in this country that are the lobbyists and the special interests, Many of them came from two-parent households. So how'd they end up so fucked up? Tell me. Drop it in the comments. Everybody's got a lot to say. Don't be shy now. How did your George Bush Juniors end up the way he did when he had a father and a mother? How did your George Bush Seniors of the world end up the way he did when he had a father and a mother? Bill Clinton, father and mother. Hillary Clinton Rodham, father and mother. Mitt Romney, father and mother. Mitch McConnell, father and mother. You just go right on down the list. Mark Zuckerberg, I'm sure he had a father and a mother. 
And I don't mean to just name white people, but my, you get my point. There's a cultural narrative about fatherlessness that's specifically aimed to talk about the, the state of black America. And it suggests that if you have two parents, you, 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 the, the most fucked up people in our society had two parents. And if you can't believe that, if you can't see that, if you if you can't pull that signal from the noise, if you if you can't get beyond the smoke and mirrors and be able to understand what, what, I'm, what I'm saying, we got no chance of saving the republic. We're more invested in the narratives that make us feel good. We're more invested in the narratives that make us that that satisfy our our rightful outrage. And we do have right that we have a right to be outraged. But we better damn sure be outraged about the the, the we better damn sure be outraged about the right things. And we have to be laser focused on those things. I mean, we have to almost be obsessed. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it's okay to be obsessed with your, your, your sports teams, and a lot of you are fucking obsessed with sports teams. If it's okay to be obsessed with sports, if it's okay to be obsessed with money, if it's okay to be obsessed with jerking off, it damn sure should be okay to be obsessed with, with saving the Republic. And when the mainstream media industrial complex tries to tell you that your obsession with saving the Republic is, 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 is fringe, it's extreme, it's on the verge of domestic terrorism, you just give them the fucking finger. That, that's all. You, you tell them to go fuck themselves. And if you can't, you know, there's a great, there's a great boondocks. Uh, the boondocks is a cartoon. It's probably one of the, one of the funniest uh, cultural cartoons about about the black community and black families, and you know, two boys go to live with their grandfather in the suburbs, and and there's all these adventures and things that go on. It's it, it's it really is a great cartoon. I wish they would bring back a new a new uh, season, uh, given all the the new political stuff there would be to talk about. It'd be funny. Uh, the kid, the kid Riley, one of the kids, one of the grandsons, the younger one, his name is Riley. And uh, he, he calls everything gay on the show, which you couldn't even do now. And, and quite honestly, I'm surprised they even allow it to stay on some of these, uh, some of these uh, streaming services, uh, given all of the, the homophobia, quote unquote, for those of you who are listening and can't see, I'm using air quotes, all the homophobia in the cartoon. But anyway, it's a great cartoon. Uh, and, and there's this one scene. I mean, there's this one episode this is probably one of the funniest episodes uh, where Tom, who is the next door neighbor of the grandfather and, uh, and, and Mr. Robert, uh, uh, Robert, Robert Freeman is the grandfather and the, the two grandsons. And the next door neighbor is a guy named Tom and Tom is a district attorney. And uh, it, well, he was a district attorney. Then he becomes a defense attorney. But anyway, he, uh, he has a wife, Sarah, and uh, they have a, a little girl together. <laughs> and um, one night they're out at dinner and Usher walks into the dinner and, you know, the, the wife, Sarah, is kind of, you know, she's she's kind of annoyed. You can tell that the, 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 the relationship for her is you know, kind of become bland and she's like, oh, another anniversary dinner. We're going to be here at this restaurant, drink a little wine and go home. I'm not really, you know, excited anymore. I'm bored with it, blah, blah, blah. Usher walks in. She gets all giddy. She's like, oh, it's Usher. She's a huge Usher fan. Anyway, um, they have a huge fight. Tom gets mad because she was way too flirty with Usher. 
And on the way home, you know, she, you know, he he tells her she was acting like a TRO groupie. She asked to get out of the car and walk and starts to walk home. And then they skip to the next scene. And Tom's telling Robert Freeman about the situation. Long story short, Tom ends up leaving the house. He comes to stay at the Freeman's house and the Freeman's go to hire a relationship consultant. Um, <coughs> and uh, the relationship consultant they hire is from a previous episode where the granddad had got caught up being at the grocery store and found himself dating dating a, a prostitute, didn't know she was a prostitute. And then her pimp, a, a pimp named Slickback, came looking for her. And the, the, the character pimp named Slickback is uh, is is uh, played by Cat Williams, who I'm, I'm sure many of you see, saw or, or should go watch Cat Williams' interview with uh, or podcast with Shannon Sharp. He said a lot of things in there that, that a lot of people didn't want to hear, but a lot of people watched, and that's a good sign for this country and a good sign for, for uh, where where media and information is headed. Anyway, Cat Williams plays a pimp named Slickback, and they bring they bring him to come counsel Tom because Tom is is you know is distraught. He he's he's falling apart. You know he's he's losing his wife. His marriage is all messed up, and you know his ushers out there now. He's got to worry about ushers stealing his stealing his girl, his his wife for for uh, if not only for the night type of deal. And uh, so they they bring a, a pimp named Slick back in to to give Tom a little a little uh, lesson, a little pep talk. A little pimp talk. Okay. Anyway, I tell you the story because uh, in the episode, he's telling Tom that he has to stand up to to Sarah. He has to he has to assert himself, and and that you know he just he's he's not he's not being strong enough in the relationship. Now, I'm not giving relationship advice. I'm not saying that this was accurate. It's meant to be funny. However, there's a lot of truth in comedy and humor, <laughs> and. Uh, there's a scene where where he where a pimp named Slickback has a number of other prostitutes that are in this this compound that he's running, and he's got surveillance and he's got all this stuff. You got to go watch the episode. It's it's hilarious if you have that kind of humor. But anyway, he has one girl uh, named Sweetest Taboo, which is hilarious. <laughs> his his bottom girl is is is, is Sweetest Taboo. And uh, he has a, a state-of-the-art gym facility in his house, and he brings Tom in to practice confronting Sarah and, and, and you know, re, reestablishing the dominance and authority in his relationship. And he's having trouble cursing, right? And a pimp named Slickback goes, you know, you got to see, bitch, this is what, you know. And, and Tom's like, I could, ne- a bit, I could never say the word bitch. And, and a pimp named Slickback goes, and he goes, do I have to say it, Tom? Do I have to say the word, bitch? And and the pimp named Slipback goes, yes, Tom, you have to say. After what she's done, I I can't let you not say the word. And it just it it just goes to show, what I'm I'm the whole reason I'm telling the story is because Tom Tom is a is a great example of of what we are suffering from in the conservative movement. We're more concerned with the with the with the um we're more we're more concerned with the presentation than we are the product. <coughs> we're a little more concerned with the presentation than we are the result, as if to say, if the presentation is good enough, it doesn't really matter what the result is. Look at our elections, for example. As long as our elections are presented as though they're secure, then 
the results are kind of neither here nor there. We're, we're, we're way too concerned with, with how it looks. And as an athlete, I just reject that. Like when you see an athlete come, like there's some kids who come into the, uh, come into the gym and they're wearing their, you know, their stocking caps, you know, you wear them to sleep to, to keep your hair down and, and, and laid and, and whatever like that. They come with those tied on and, you know, first thing Coach Roy says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so old now, I'm a old school, I guess. I'm from the different era. Uh, but, but in my era, and I'm only 32 years old, but in my era, you couldn't, you couldn't wear stuff like that to the gym. I mean, we came from an era of coaches that that came up under right under Bobby Knight and that Coach K sort of mentality. Um, and and you know, take that take that thing off your head, take your hat off your head, take your earrings out your ears. We we just came, we grew up like that. So you know, when I see it, I'm like, man, take that off your head. You're not about you're not about to practice with that on your head. And they kind of look and they laugh and it's like, oh man, Coach Royce is getting on me. And it's funny to me because I remember being that kid. Not that I was trying to wear that, but I remember being taught that that wasn't acceptable, and it was just like yesterday. And now you see another generation who, who's who's doing it, uh, and 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 you know you, you correct them on it. And but the whole point of that that sentiment is, if you're too worried about how you look, then you're not worried about what we need you to do on the court. If you're too concerned with how you look, if you're that concerned with how you look. You're not concerned. You're not, you're not focused on what, what we need from you as a player on this team. You're more focused on you. There's a self-absorption in it. It's the same thing with this movement. This movement is more concerned with how the presentation helps them feel about the overall legitimacy of, of the citizenship that they've accepted. We've accepted a bastardized citizenship. We've accepted bastardized citizenship from our government. We've, we've accepted a, a bastardized citizenship from our corporate community. We've accepted a, bas a bastardized citizenship from the med medical uh, industrial complex and the military industrial complex and the banking institutions, the administrative state. But most importantly, we've accepted a bastardized citizenship in our own mind. We've accepted it from ourselves. That's where defeat comes. Defeat comes first when you accept defeat. The first hill to climb in victory is in your own mind. Somewhere in here, I don't know what it is. You, that's for you to decide. That's for you to, that's for you to uh, dig and, and mine out. But I'll tell you one thing. It's right along that racial divide. I promise you that. I promise, I can promise you. When Fox News says that black people are going to vote for Donald Trump because of these sneakers? They're, they're not a friend. They're doing it with a smile. They're chuckling about it, but they're not a friend. They know exactly what they're doing. Laura Ingram's gay friend is going to come on Fox News and tell America that black people are starting to move towards Donald Trump because he understands culture by, by releasing a sneaker? Well, the sneakers are great. And Donald Trump does have a, 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 a very keen sense of, of culture because he's a celebrity. He's, he's in that world, and he's, and he's charismatic. He's a people person. Again, none of these black folks, none of these black bourgeoisie celebrities uh, stopped, uh, started hating Donald Trump until after he decided to run for president. Floyd Mayweather did a great job of uh, pointing that out. Before he decided to run for president, 
Everybody loved Donald Trump. They all put him in his, in his, you know, they quoted his name in the music. They had him on the TV shows. They had him come to the parties. They, they loved Donald Trump. I didn't necessarily like Donald. I didn't like the show The Apprentice personally, because I thought it kind of had a, 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 a an air of, um, of, uh, you know, it was it was it was it was hard criticism for theater, okay, and 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 I don't really like that. You know, if I'm gonna get down on a young man about the way that he's living, the way that he's, I'm not doing it for show. And I know it was scripted, it's reality TV, but what I'm saying is a lot of reality TV ushered in the brainwashing that we face now. And so now when Donald Trump starts to become more real than he's ever been, more real than he ever was on reality TV, now they hate him. They liked him when he was the, 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 the Donald Trump on The Apprentice. They tuned in, they watched every night. It was one of the most watched shows in the country. It was a very successful show by television standards. But that wasn't the real Donald Trump. I mean, it was more real than, than some of the stuff we see on TV and in the movies, but, but by no means was it what Donald Trump really wanted to say. What Donald Trump really wanted to say is what he's saying right now. This is the most real Donald Trump has ever been, and this is the most scrutiny and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, pushback that I think I've ever seen him face. Where were all of these people? Where were the Gene Carrolls of the world? Where, where were all of these people, the, 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 the people who say he did bad business back when his name was as hot as anybody's? Where were all these people then? And if these people were there and they were saying those things, where was the coverage of it? Nobody cared about it until he ran for president. And they're going to act like, oh, well, it's because he's running for president that we care now. Because he, it wouldn't be a problem if he wasn't going to be a president. Bullshit. I call bullshit. They don't like Donald Trump because of what he's what he stands for, what he's saying. And it's not the things he's saying that they call mean tweets. It's the, it's the things he's saying about American citizenship and giving we the people a voice. That's what they don't like. But my point is, again, to go back to go back to my point, I get I get I get wound up about some of this stuff. To go back to my point. We are too invested in the presentation versus the result. Somewhere in there, something in there, I, don't, I can't quite call it. But I do know that when I look at social media, there is a profound, profound tone of racial division on both sides. Profound sense of racial division on both sides. Oh, another another black man, you know, shot and killed. Another black man has assaulted a assaulted an innocent person. It's, it's, come on, guys. Okay. Okay. You know, if if those are the stories you want to tell. If those are the stories you want to tell. I, I got a story for you. I, I got a here's a story. Here, here's a story. Right here in Richfield. My grand, remember I told you about my grandfather, Frank White, who was the, the, the director of Park and Rec in the city of Richfield. So when I grew up, I used to go to the, the, uh, the, the, Richfield, uh, the Richfield Park and Recreation Board facility, headquarters. And, uh, you know, the things that go on there, you know, they, they oversee the parks. 
uh, so I would go to his job sometimes and spend the day at his at his job and in the building were were just people who oversaw the park board. I mean the the parks and the the public facilities there in in Richfield. And so sometimes my grandfather would have to run over to this park and, and there was something going on there, maybe with the fields or it was flooding or there was rain or whatever the case may be. Or, or maybe there were softball games over at this park and he'd go over there and make sure the umpires were there on time and, and that the concession stands were working well. And, you know, it's just a, an entire part of, 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 of city municipality, um, uh, you know, administration that most people don't see. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to see it as a young man. Uh, it, it helped me understand the way a city works, you know, at that, at a, a level that you don't even think about. We, we go to the parks and, and, and recs, recreation centers in our community. We don't even think about how this stuff runs. There are people that have to run this stuff. And so I get that. But anyway, in the city of Richfield, uh, I, I, I grew up, so to speak. I was there often, let's say. I lived in St. Paul, but my grandfather worked in Richfield. My grandmother worked for the attorney general. Um, my mother worked in Edina, okay? These are all little little suburbs of of, uh, of of the greater Twin City area. Uh, I played basketball in North Minneapolis. So I, when I say I'm from the Twin Cities, people ask me, well, where are you from the Twin Cities? I'm genuinely from all over the Twin Cities. I grew up all over the Twin Cities. Um, but, but anyway, Richfield. I'm familiar with Richfield, grew up in Richfield. Well, there was a, when during the George Floyd uh, situation, when that whole deal broke out, there was a man white man who shot indiscriminately at a young woman across the street from her house and the children. And the young girl, there was a baby with an infant. I forget how old, but too old, too young to really defend themselves and too old, too young to really run, too young to really know what was going on. And the older one who must've been about 11, I believe 12, over the the young infant, these these black woman and young black girl. I mean, imagine you got a twelve or thirteen year old, and your next door neighbor randomly comes out of his house and starts shooting at you, and your twelve year old little girl has to cover the the younger infant. Demonic possession. Went back into the house, had a standoff with the police for about, I don't know, it was like 14 hours or something, I think. This is a story. You can go look it up. Just Google it. Richfield man shoots neighbors, went back in his house, shot his wife, shot himself. Now, we don't have to start to do a tit for tat. We don't have to start to do a tit for tat on his crime, his what's more, what's... Demonic possession is real. Evil is real. Violence is real. That situation, your drive-bys in Chicago, none of them equal the amount of bombs we dropped there in the Middle East, the amount of bombs that we're willing to drop there on the Ukraine border, the amount of bombs we're willing to drop in, in Southeast Asia in defense of the empire. And so who's really the, who's really the mass murderer? Who's really the psychotic and demonic one? We've given ourselves a pass that when you do, when you kill in the name of, 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 of money, let's not say the nation, let's not say our national interest. When you kill in the name of money, it's justified. 
And we give ourselves that pass. We've given ourselves that pass politically, this conservative movement. And we need to go back and rectify that. Because if we can't rectify that, we can't go into the black community and talk about violence. You think they're stupid? And this is the argument that the Marxists and the communists go into the black community and make in order to keep the black community in a perpetual state of violence and chaos. They say, you know, you're no, you're no different than the government. They go to war, you go to war. And there's some truth to that. I mean, I'm not saying there's not, there's not truth to it. Because if a man across the street has a gun, and you have a gun, and the man across the street pulls a gun out on you, or the man across the street comes and, and, and sh- breaks in your home, you know, there's going to be there's going to be retaliation. There's going to be anger. There's going to be a retribution that that people feel they need. That I mean, that's 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 a human sentiment from since, you know since time immemorial. Vengeance, retribution, justice. Hopefully, you can come through the court when you have a, a court that's running the right way and has integrity and has the trust of the people, then you can have your justice come through the courts. But when you have a, a court that's corrupt and been corrupt for so long and now it openly wages legal uh, lawfare, uh, financial lawfare against uh, political candidates to ensure that we the people don't have a voice, you think people are going to trust that the courts will bring justice or you think they're going to take justice into their own hands? That's what we face now. That, that's the reality. I'm not into the presentation. I'm not into the superficial. I'm not into what, you know, it making you feel good. I'm into what it really is. What it really is, is, is we are, when, when we let the legal system become corrupted by money, when we let the legal system become undermined through, through uh, special interests and lobby and, 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 and back scratching, you know, uh, you know, good old boys kind of uh, politics. We are asking for retribution and vengeance and justice to be taken into the hands of people on their own. We're begging for it. Does that make it right? Absolutely not. But it does make it likely. It does make it probable. And that's just as important. <laughs> right or wrong at, at that level is, 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 is secondary. Will it happen? I'll give you an example. Um, I'll give you an example. I'm a principal at a school. I hear that a fight's going to happen at at 3 o'clock. Does it matter if it's right or wrong, or am I to stop the fight? The fight is going to happen. That's first. I don't care if the the, the kid is justified in the fight or whatever. That's not the... That's not, the, that's not the priority. The priority is it's going to happen. We spend too much time talking about the right and wrong of it and, and not dealing with the practical, not dealing with the, the reality, not dealing with the, the, the thing itself. The thing itself is this country's corrupt. I had one per- to, to help encapsulate this, I had one person who was obviously more of a, a Democrat-leaning uh, individual say to me online, uh, you know, the, the government is not nearly as corrupt as people think it is. The government is not nearly as corrupt as people think it is. And what's funny about it, I, I think a lot of people believe that. I think I, I don't think it's a majority. 
I think a majority of the people see what's wrong with this country and in our government. But I think a, a lot of people, enough, enough people to justify squaring the numbers by rigging elections. Let's say that. See, when you talk about stealing elections or rigging elections, how much is enough to make it look legitimate? How many real people do you need to sprinkle in with the fake stuff? Well, that's determined by the people who are watching. <laughs> that's determined by the onlookers. We don't know how many people of the set. We don't know how many of the, the, the 80 million votes for Joe Biden were, were real people and how many were sprinkled in. How much was the fake stuff? We don't know. We honestly don't know. And we don't want to deal with that. Because, you know, people's immediate, rea- people's immediate instinct is, well, how can you deal with that? What can even be done? I'm not sure. I know we better get together and talk about it. We got about what? I don't know, eight months? We got about eight months to figure it out. We better damn sure start having that conversation, Alpha News. Well, why do you think Alpha News, look, and, and this is a great example. Do you think Alpha News, well, wh- why isn't Alpha News talking about the, the elections, the security of the election? We know Fox News. We know, we know they bowed out. So if you're still watching, if you're still watching Fox News, you can count yourself a fucking rhino or a neocon. Because Fox News already bowed out of the fight. The, the, the fight, the integral fight about fundamental rights in this country, voting rights, whether you're white, black, green, or yellow, your right to vote, your right to participate in an election that's, that's fair and honest, they already bowed out of that fight. Their freedom of speech was censored through financial lawfare. They bent the knee. They settled. They didn't even want to fight. They just settled. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, if you, if you, if you come to my house, if you come to my house with a gun and you say from the front stoop, I'm going to rape all the women and children in your home, and I just open the door and say, okay, I give up, um, I don't even think Coward starts to say it. But see, Fox News didn't, Fox News didn't see them bending the knee on the voting matter as them letting uh, a stranger come in and, and rape all the women and children in their home under their stewardship, under their protection, you, the viewer. Who's, who's, uh, whose interest they represent as, an, as a media institution. They didn't view it that. They didn't view that fight that way. But they view every young black man who they can cover doing a crime like that in that way. Ain't that the pot calling the kettle black? Because rape ain't rape if it's financial. Murder isn't murder if it's remote. These are things we better get clear about. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our, our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement. That's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Um, if you're in Minnesota, Caucus is tomorrow. Make sure that you find your local caucus. Go into the caucus. Become an America First delegate. Become a Donald Trump delegate. Become an ultra MAGA delegate. Become a Royce White delegate. But most importantly, become a delegate for your own citizenship. 
we are we are we are going to be in a death match versus the establishment within the Republican Party and the powers that be within our own conservative movement. Um, so I hope that you guys will get involved in that fight. It's just one night. If 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 you can't spend one night, if you can't spend one night out of 365 days in a year getting involved in the process to help save the republic, you have no right to complain. You have no right to say a damn thing. And we can talk about rigged elections, and I talked about the voting machines. I talked about casinos having a better chain of custody and auditing process than your average voting machine and proprietary technology and dominion and the whole thing. But even if the elections are not uh, secure, it's still incumbent upon you to give the minimal duty, the minimal time and energy that it takes to get involved in the process. It's incumbent upon you to do that anyway. When we play basketball, if they're going to cheat, let them cheat. We show up to the game. We play as hard as we, we, we need to play. We play the way we want to play. We, we do it the way we want to do it, and we go as hard as we need to go to win, and we let everything else fall where it may. Some of it's luck. Some of it's luck. Some nights the shots just don't fall. Some nights the, the, the refs aren't calling the game well. They, they're not calling the game right. Sometimes the refs make it personal. Sometimes a player gets injured. Sometimes the other team injured him on purpose. All kinds of things can happen out there in the field, in the field of battle, on the court of play, in the fog of war. All kinds of things can happen for all sorts of reasons. But we have to show up. And if we don't show up, we can't expect to win. In fact, it's stupid to expect to win if you don't show up. Show up tomorrow night. Minnesota caucus. If you're in Minnesota, you live in Minnesota, you don't go to caucus, just unsubscribe from the channel. Because I'm not here for it. I don't want to be involved in a jerk-off. I'm not here to jerk you off. And I damn sure wouldn't let you jerk me off. Get into the caucus. Take, take a stake in your citizenship. It happens right there in a theater near you. And all you have to do is go in there and, and raise your hand and say, I, I care about what happens to this country. I care about saving the republic. I value my citizenship. That's it. And for the rest of the year, it's about 15 to 18 hours a, a, a year of you being involved in the process. About 24 hours worth of time out of the whole year. 24 hours to save the republic. If you're not willing to do it, you deserve to be a fucking slave to China. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.